And welcome to BiblioChat. I'm your host, Forrest Trilba. And on today's episode, I'll be examining certain aspects of the capitalistic system that are not at the forefront of everyone's mind. Specifically how the capitalistic system generates waste. And in order to discuss this topic, I've invited a recurring guest, Taylor Weeks. Taylor, how are you? I'm doing well, Forrest. How are you? I'm doing well. So I would argue that capitalism leads to waste because there are more products manufactured that can be consumed. And this is the fundamental inefficiency of the capitalistic system. What do, you, do you have any thoughts on this? Would you yeah. agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And in order to understand this, I think this phenomenon, I think we have to look at the concept of markets and market share. So in any given market, whether it's footwear, homes, luxury vehicles, there's a relatively known amount of consumers who want to purchase your product. And within that addressable market, let's say it's $100 million for a widget, there are competitors vying for bigger slices of the pie. The more market share they're able to obtain within that market leads to more revenue and more profits, and that in turn creates waste, just as you had mentioned. I really think that in order to do so, companies have to be inherently optimistic about their prospects to sell more within the market. So if we look at Nike, for example, they need to be optimistic that they will sell more shoes than last year, so they will, they will manufacture more shoes than last year. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty stemming from what percentage of the market they're actually able to capture. And existing simultaneously, all of their competitors are doing the same thing. You wouldn't operate within a market if you don't think that you'll be able to increase your market share. So all of these companies are manufacturing more than they can realistically sell in the hopes that they can capture more market share than their competitors. Right, so I, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, because what it seems to me, these companies are all producing the same product in the same market. And therefore, in trying to increase uh, your own market share, you produce more products than can be consumed because there's only the finite amount of consumers. Yeah, exactly. So can you give me a specific example of this? So yeah, one that comes to mind is the TV market. So there are a lot of different companies competing to sell you TVs. There's Sharp, there's NVIDIA, there's Sony, there's Samsung. And when they manufacture their TVs, they have an idea that they will be able to sell most, if not all of them. Now, they're competing against each other ferociously in the capitalistic system to increase their market share. So just as you had alluded to before, they'll manufacture more than reasonably can be bought. Now, when we think about this, what happens to those excess TVs? They get severely discounted and put through different channels like Costco or Sam's Club, but realistically, they're not able to sell all of them. If you manufacture a million TVs, hopefully you'll be able to sell 850,000. So what happens to those other 150,000 TVs in this example? They go to a landfill or they get disposed of. Now, specifically with TVs, they're comprised of components that don't break down. They're not natural components. There's a lot of plastic, there's a lot of glass, there are semiconductors. 
they go to landfills and just pile up and create environmental nightmares. Okay, so companies, so fundamentally, companies produce more products than can be sold. And an interesting example to me uh, is Nike. So statistically, Nike uh, sells approximately 780 million shoes every year. And given kind of the examples you've shown, you know, companies, they, they, they sell 80 to, or about 80, 80 to 90% of their products get sold. Yeah, so, well, I mean, it depends on the market and it depends on the company itself. But generally speaking, companies sell the majority of what they manufacture, yes. So would you agree maybe it's possible Nike produced a billion shoes in one year if they sold 780 million? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, one of the fundamental aspects of being able to forecast one's financial statements includes waste. So they understand that for every 10 pairs of shoes sold, or maybe let's use a, a, a different example, for every 100 shoes sold that they manufacture, they will probably not be able to sell five of them. So their gross margins, their assumptions on capital allocation are based on not selling all of the products that they manufacture. Right. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, so what's interesting to me here is that 7 billion people live in the world, uh, and Nike produces reasonably, we can assume, a billion shoes every year, a billion pairs of sneakers. Yeah. So it's like every, so every four years, they produce enough shoes for everybody on the planet. Which is a wild stat because you think the useful life of a shoe, unless you're really beating it up, is maybe like eight to 12 months. And the market for people who can afford Nike shoes, which are pretty expensive, is even smaller. Like maybe there are a billion people in the developed world who can reasonably afford Nike shoes. And that actually points to an interesting concept within that specific market. The idea that consumers can buy more shoes than they can reasonably wear. You only have two feet, but why do you have 20 pairs of shoes? So that's another thing that really is fundamental to capitalism that leads to waste as well. We have so many shoes in our closets and we have so many shoes, you know, when you go over to somebody's house, sometimes a girl could have 100 pairs of shoes, a guy could have 15. Like, if we're just talking about utility, putting something on our shoes, so putting something on our feet so we don't scrape them up and can walk around on hot surfaces and cold surfaces, you only need one pair of shoes. Right. But like that demand for multiple, for owning multiple shoes gets generated and manufactured by companies in a capitalistic environment. And they do right. quite well at it. Yeah, and so like what's, and what's like kind of crazy is this one single example of Nike to me is very striking in the overproduction, but was like even more striking is that this is multiplied across industries. Oh. It's not just it's every, every wherever there's like a market for some product, this overproduction exists. Yeah, well, and it's a very imprecise science. So as much as people like to think that they have a handle on it, let's go one step deeper. So. The idea of capturing market share with an existing market is one thing. Then there's the idea that the market itself can grow or contract over time. So like 
the holy grail is being able to forecast what markets will increase over time and what markets will contract over time. From an investment standpoint, you can allocate capital to companies that have exposure to markets that will increase, and specifically companies that operate within that increasing market that you think are likely to gain market share. So capitalism, having a stake and ownership stake and generating profits, rewards those companies that can expose themselves to growing markets and grow market share within those growing markets. So like it's fundamental that in order to grow, which is the name of the game right now in the, in the stock market and a lot, of, a lot of different industries, you have to be optimistic about your prospects and manufacture more of your, your products and convince more and more people to buy. There's a constant ebb and flow between competitors and marketing is really one of the most interesting aspects to, to uh, point to when examining why there's so much excess, why there's so much waste. Right, so advertising so is trying to convince us to buy the product. At the, yeah, the, they're trying to convince you to buy more, like Apple. Like Apple spends a ton of money on advertising trying to convince you to upgrade your phone every two years. What happens to those old Apple phones? They just go in a landfill and they just generate waste. And that landfill can't be farmed for 200 years because those products aren't biodegradable. And like that area is ruined. Like where does all of this stuff go? And so what's interesting to me is that these companies like Apple and Nike, they, they have a very central role in our lives and a central role in society. And I feel like they have accomplished this through uh, good products, but also a very effective advertising that creates the feeling that their products are, are necessary and that we need them even though we really don't. And the problem with this is that the waste these companies generate makes their whole role in our lives kind of pointless. I'm not, I don't know if I'm articulating this exactly yeah. well, but... No, I mean, I get exactly what you're saying. You're, you're making the argument that, like, to what end? Our lives are better in a lot of respects when we have an Apple phone or we wear Nike shoes, maybe we perform better, but like, what does it really mean? Like, when you get past the basics, like the bottom building block on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is physiological, right? Like, you need shelter, you need to be warm, you need food, you need to drink water. Like, once those basic needs are met, it's really all superfluous, you know, like we get right. happiness and we have fun when we get expensive toys or we feel good when somebody sees us wearing an expensive watch maybe, you know, but like really what is the point? Like we live in a very advanced society where status symbol, status is denoted by the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, the places we go and the houses we live in and it goes way further. And capitalism has led to so many of these advancements, but really, at what cost? 
Right. Like, you know, what are we doing to the planet? What are we doing to where's the waste going? Like, do we really need all of this stuff? Right. And what's and what's still striking to me is these companies convince us to buy to continue to buying this stuff that we don't need and they and they do such a good job of convincing us that we do need them as that and as you're saying this ties into the whole capitalistic structure um, all these materialistic things that we have and that bring gratification to us mm-hmm. while it may, may just be momentarily but it's so ingrained in our society yet it causes so much waste and destruction yeah it's that like, it's like like there are flaws with every type of economic model some have more dire consequences than others and I enjoy living in a capitalistic society so that's something that I have to confront my, con, that I'm confronted with right like I can enjoy all of these things but I can still be cognizant about what is what can I do to mitigate my impact from an environmental standpoint those two opposing thoughts can exist simultaneously in my head you know Right, and you point to something very important here, which is the the difference understanding the flaws of economic models, and we know that the history of socialism didn't really work out. Yeah, and and but that doesn't mean that capitalism is the is the right solution. Um, yeah, it's the one we have. Yeah, I guess it's the best one that exists right now. Yeah, and honestly, capitalism has developed over time. The capitalistic world 100 years from now will look starkly different than how it looks now. And 60 years ago, or 100 years ago, capitalism was way different than it is now. Like, advancement has come from being rewarded when you come up with an idea or start a company that works. We are incentivized to innovate, to create, to build, to make the quality of our lives better, to cure diseases, because there's an economic incentive that capitalism can provide. Now, sometimes we swing too far to the end of the pendulum, and it goes too far, and that is a problem, but on balance, I think capitalism will evolve over time. And really, you're seeing it right now with companies adopting ESG monikers or standards saying they will be carbon neutral like society has the ability to make capitalism be a sustainable idea and continue to allow us to innovate we can we can innovate we can advance we can do it in a sustainable way because it's something that you know now companies are being rewarded for and like if we align the incentives to the appropriate outcomes or if we align the incentives to uh, to drive towards the outcomes that we want I think we can we can bring capitalism into the next 200 300 years okay so I think we've really gotten to the fundamental flaws of capitalism um, and kind of understand how capitalism is an economic model um, that we have inherited and one that we live under. Um, 
And even though there's flaws with it, hopefully in the future, we can incentivize the right things for companies to think about a sustainable future. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you show me an incentive and I'll show you an outcome. And as long as we can properly align the incentives with the outcome we want to achieve, I think we're on the right path. Right. Yeah. So, uh, now go buy ads for this podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. But yeah, that was a really thought provoking conversation. And I think we could probably talk for hours about this and yeah. explore different nooks and crannies of capitalism and the benefits and the negatives. But this has been a really fun conversation. Yeah. I look forward to the next one. I Thanks. do.